Welcome back to the Psychology Digest. As part of an enlightening podcast network, we're here to ignite your curiosity and inspire continuous learning. Join us as we explore the vast universe of psychology, unveiling a new hand-picked, bite-sized gem of journalism in each episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Blogcast, your personalized audio feed available on iPhone and Android. In today's episode, we explore the fascinating concept of hedonic adaptation and how it affects our happiness. We'll be delving into an article titled, If You Want to Be Happy, Learn to Love the Little Things, Keep Fighting, and Beating, Hedonic Adaptation, by Nicholas Goek. Discover how embracing the small joys in life can help us maintain happiness and overcome the tendency to take things for granted. So grab your headphones and get ready to dive into the world of psychology. Let's dive in. If you want to be happy, learn to love the little things. Keep fighting and beating hedonic adaptation. Written by Nicholas Goka. I'll never forget the day I got to drive my friend's Ferrari. I had been staring at Ferrari posters in my bedroom since I was five, so it was a dream come true. I'll also never forget what he told me a few years later. The car now means absolutely nothing to me. I've grown a hundred percent used to it. It's sad, isn't it? He sold it soon after that. The only car I've ever owned was a first-generation BMW 1 Series. For many people in Germany, even people my age, and even back then, a car like this was nothing special. But to me, it was. I still remember the unique government program that made it affordable. The sound of the handles when opening the doors, and the feel of the materials inside. I remember the whirring of the engine, the vibration of the tires rolling around a corner, and the click of the locks opening as I pressed the button on my remote control key. It was always a good moment approaching the car. I saw it standing there, always in the same corner of the square in front of our house, always ready for another adventure. I knew we were about to embark on a new journey together, and that made me happy. Would it be a short trip to the gas station? A long drive back to college? Whichever it was, I knew I had my Bavarian companion to rely on. Music on, sunroof open, gears falling into place. I only owned that car for two years, but I never got tired of it. I always enjoyed climbing into the driver's seat once again. How can one person grow completely indifferent to a Ferrari, while another cherishes every second with their tiny BMW? Well, you're a car nut, Nick. It's easy for you to enjoy any car, you might say. And to that, I can only respond, you're probably right. Then again, I've had that same joyously approaching the car feeling many times since selling my BMW, and that was ten years ago. Therefore, I have a theory. I think I've learned to love the little things. Every morning, I step inside the small, Middle Eastern cafe across the street. Beneath cannolis in a glass display, the counter bends and stretches toward the far end of the restaurant. Wooden chairs and tables rest against a sea of green. Plants on the wall, plants on the ceiling, plants on the floor. The king of this urban jungle casually leans against the counter. Good morning. What can I do for you? The manager asks. One cappuccino to go, please. Then the magic begins. Their device? is no mere coffee maker. 
It's a whole apparatus of alchemistic instruments. An Italian portafilter, the Ferrari of coffee machines. Dynamic displays show temperature and pressure. The coffee is ground on the spot, the milk freshly steamed. After a complex series of physical and chemical microprocesses, the prized brown liquid drips into a biodegradable cup. It may as well be gold. Without having to ask, the manager puts chocolate powder on top. Here you go. Three pounds twenty is an insane amount for a tiny cup of coffee. That's four dollars and thirty-seven cents. Or 3.83 euros. A few months ago, it was three pounds. That's a near 7% increase. Then again, coffee beans now cost twice as much as they did a year ago. I guess 7% is not so bad. There's so much fortune in this interaction. My girlfriend living in a nice area with a nice restaurant across the street, the manager of which happens to know how to make the perfect blend of milk and coffee. Me being able to afford three pounds a day for such a treat, and not even needing to worry about a 7% increase. Of course, we worked hard to get here, but just because you deserve something does not mean it's not worth pointing out. In fact, the longer you can appreciate something long after you've earned it, the happier you'll be. Thankfully, the smell of great coffee never gets old. Ding! Ninth floor. The robotic, female voice announces. Fresh, warm cappuccino in hand, I make my way to the rooftop garden. Behind a glass door lies a beautiful maze of stone, wood, grass, earth, and plants. It's not a huge space. A few shaded benches, a small patch of green, and a rectangular walkway that goes all around, but dropped into the middle of what feels like a round-table discussion among a dozen high-rise buildings. It's nothing short of a sanctuary. London isn't exactly known as the world's tanning bed, so whenever the weather doesn't look too much like Game of Thrones, I go to the rooftop for all of five minutes before starting my day. When the sun is out, I just stand there, shamelessly absorbing my dose of rays. When it's a bit foggy, I test how far I can see. In the distance, Canary Wharf, London's finance hub, presents me with its best L.A. impression. Inside their glass boxes, people type, stitch, and talk. They fold, pace, and file away. Around me are hundreds of apartments, home to thousands of people. The garden connects two twenty-story buildings. Yet, none of their inhabitants are here. Nine out of ten times, I'm alone on the rooftop. Where is everybody, I wonder? Are they too busy for five minutes of beauty? Do they even know this garden exists? I can always go there, is the death of every local. After all, how local will you truly have been if you were always physically present, but never truly there? It's a fascinating thing, this temple in such a secular place, self-evident to those who can access it but rarely do, yet almost certainly a miracle to those who've never known the splendor of modern metropolitan compounds. I sip on my cappuccino. Three more deep breaths. <sighs> okay, time to go back inside. If you want to be happy, learn to love the little things. If you want to love the little things, understand the following. Gratitude is not a creativity exercise. It's a gratitude exercise.
you don't need a new thing to be grateful for each day. In fact, the more you realize it's the same things over and over again that make you feel warm, sheltered, and loved, the easier it'll be to savor those things and find true, lasting contentment in them. Hedonic adaptation is the treadmill that adjusts its speed to keep us running after happiness without ever catching it. Making a habit of loving the little things is how you step off, step outside, and marvel at everything life has to offer, allowing you to come to just one conclusion. You don't need anything more than what you already have, because the little things are actually the biggest things of all. If you enjoyed this, you may also like our other podcasts. The Productivity Digest, The Self-Improvement Digest, The Life Digest, and Daily Science News. Stay curious, stay inspired, and thanks for listening.